Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, this is Emma, Senior Account Manager at the Webby Awards. The 24th Annual Webby Awards is open for entries. We have all new categories this year for your work in podcasts, social, immersive and mixed reality video, and much more. Check out all the categories and enter by the early entry deadline on Friday, October 25th to take advantage of the best pricing. Enter your work at webbyawards.com. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Net neutrality, you greedy dickheads! Proud to be for everyone. The revolution won't be televised. Home of the revolution. Go. Hey there, and welcome back. There are few voices in digital journalism that are as direct and honest as my next guest. His willingness to embrace what other political news programs are afraid to say is part of what makes his show and his company one of the most successful on the internet. Cenk Uger is a journalist, broadcaster, the main host, and co-founder of The Young Turks, the world-famous online news program. As one of the internet's longest-running news shows, the Young Turks team has put its stake in the ground as outsiders in the journalism industry who will hold politicians accountable across all party lines. Jake and I had a great discussion about the nascent days of the Young Turks, including moving from audio to video with the help of their audience, the inner workings of progressive media, and what we should expect of journalism in the upcoming 2020 U.S. election. For people who are used to traditional media, the way that our show grew out of the internet is inconceivable and is mind-blowing it was completely done with the audience somebody walked in one day with a switcher cost five thousand dollars said here you need this okay like somebody from the audience yeah oh wow and so and this was pre-troll internet which actually existed and back then it was nirvana internet was almost all good and uh, and people would help each other, and they helped us tremendously. If it wasn't for our audience directly helping, we would have been gone under literally decades ago, right? And there were several different times where we almost went under, and the audience would always swoop in and help us and put us back on our feet. Uh, and as we'll talk about here today, I mean, digital media is super hard. Yeah, It's the hardest business in the world. And so without that deep, deep connective tissue with the audience – Almost impossible to survive. Why do you think the audience was so passionate? Was it because it was like the Bush years and you guys were taking such a firm stance against that and there wasn't a lot of other voices doing the same? Iraq 100%. War, that, all that, that's kind of what's happening at that time, right? So on the internet, there's literally thousands upon thousands of shows. Um, we had no money, no marketing, no infrastructure. Originally started in my living room, which is a one-bedroom apartment off of Sunset. Uh, so why did we rise up out of the crowd? Uh, right now, we have arguably the largest 
online news show on the planet. Um, we have 200 million views a month, 50 million unique viewers. Why? Because the audience chose us. It was 100% their decision. They could have chosen among all those other shows, they chose us because there's a market need. If you look at it from a business perspective, yeah. there's a market need because no one does progressive programming. People think they do progressive programming. They're like, what do you mean? There's MSNBC. And they tell you that the Republicans are awesome, but not quite as awesome as Fox News thinks they are. And they have corporate Democrats like Claire McCaskill come on. They have ex-Republicans like Joe Scarborough, who's still a right-winger, on telling you how you can't ever get any progressive uh, things like Medicare for All and Green New Deal and Tax on the Rich Past. They hate every one of those concepts, et cetera. I mean, they haven't seen a progressive. Now, the reality is a huge percentage of the country is just as progressive as I am. Hmm. And I could show it to you in the polling. Hmm. So when we came out and we were the only ones, people were like, yes, 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 yes. And it started snowballing like crazy. In the beginning, we'd get emails. You're an oasis in the desert. I didn't think there was anyone like me. Uh, thank God. I, I can't believe I, I found people that agree with me, et cetera. So people don't realize how massively conservative our media is. So on social issues. I mean, it's a really, I don't want to use the, I heard Brian Lair this morning on the thing say that you were there with your takes. And I was about to say that's a hot take. It's not a hot take, but mm -hmm. that is a very contrarian view to what, I guess, what the media tells yeah. us, which is that they're incredibly liberal. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, so, the, they're constantly publicizing the fact that Republicans are telling us that the the media is incredibly liberal. You're saying the media is very conservative. Uh, yeah. And obviously I'm right. Uh, and they're all wrong. Um, <laughs> and I could prove it. So look, guys, think about it. So if you say, hey, MSNBC and CNN don't hate black people or gay people, you are correct. So if you say that's liberal, okay, no problem. I'll grant you the entire social side of the political spectrum, that those, the New York Times, Washington Post generally have people who are not against African-American rights, not against gay rights, et cetera, et cetera. You're right about that. On the economic side, it's no contest. They're all massively conservative. So they're all multi-billion dollar corporations. They have multi-billion dollar corporate interests. So Comcast, I was a, a primetime host on MSNBC. Eventually we parted ways. Why? Because Comcast wants their mergers approved by the government. They want to kill net neutrality. And so what do, they, you, what do you do if you're in that business? Well, you have to be very, very polite to government. Mm. And so a lot of our media is super safe, obsessed with access, and kissing the government's ass. If it's a Republican government, notice Trump wins, MSNBC fires a couple of progressives in the middle of the night, hires Hugh Hewitt, a massive right winger. Right. Uh, if you remember, they hired Greta Van Susteren. Then they hired uh, several other uh, Republicans, and then they hired some corporate Democrats. All shift, 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 shift. Remember, Right. Job one, kiss government ass. Yeah. Okay. I mean, did you actually feel like you had people say that to you? I mean, tell oh, you that MSNBC. you couldn't say things? Or was it just kind of like alluded to? You no, know? there was an absolute movie moment. Huh. I mean, you'd say it was out of a B movie, but now that we've lived in a C movie for a couple of years right. under Trump, now, it, now it'll seem like, oh, that seems totally realistic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, the head of MSNBC, Phil Griffin, sat me down and said, outsiders are cool. They wear leather jackets and they ride motorcycles, but- we're not outsiders. We're NBC. We're insiders. I was just in Washington, and they're not happy with your tone. <laughs> Bang. Wow. Period. Period. Amazing. Yeah. And so I was like, 
Hell no. And I went harder after Obama and the Democrats. Yeah. Why? I don't like Obama? No, I voted for Obama twice. I was one of the happiest nights of my life was when Obama got elected the first time around. No, but I give a progressive critique of this administration because I used to call myself a talk show host and I thought it was laughable to call yourself a journalist when you're doing talk shows. It's largely entertainment. Yeah, it happens to the topic happens to be politics, but you have to keep it engaging, passionate, entertaining, et cetera. No, now I think I'm one of the probably better journalists in the country and only because the bar is so low, so low. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm not very good at it. I just clear the low bar, right? right? And so they don't, they, they're supposed to be watchdogs. And so they would, the media would constantly yell at me during the Obama years, hey, why are you holding Obama accountable? I'm like, listen to that sentence, right? right? They wouldn't necessarily phrase it that way. They'd say like, why are you attacking Obama? Well, our job is to check him. So I'm not randomly attacking. I'm not Fox News. I'm not attacking because he wore a tan suit or put mustard on his hamburger. Like, those guys are lunatics, right? No, but he did drone strikes on uh, American citizens. Nobody talks about it. Uh, a couple of the guys they killed were Americans. With no due process, their signature strikes. That means you don't know who you're killing. He did espionage act against reporters, unconscionable. He wouldn't jail any of the top bankers. I can go on and on. There's a real, very significant progressive critique of Obama, and MSNBC wasn't interested. So there is no real progressive outlet. That's why here, perfect example, 2016. So many people tell us, oh, I found you uh, because I was searching for Bernie Sanders, and you guys were the only ones supporting him. Every other piece of media, by the way, including to today, hates Bernie Sanders. Yeah. What does that mean? That means they hate the progressive movement in this country. So what part of that is liberal? No, that's a total joke. Mm. They're economically massively right-wing. And you think that this is really, this basically just comes from the structure of the media itself, that it's all owned by these companies, which at the end of the day need help and service and friendship from senators and congressmen and government and everybody else. And they, 100%. they want to keep a good relationship. So. And look, here's the thing. Well, one last part of it. A lot of the media is centered around not upsetting the status quo. Um, so it's in the hiring. You hire Anderson Cooper, heir to the Vanderbilt fortune. You hire Tucker Carlson, heir to the Swanson fortune, et cetera, et cetera, because you're looking for people who are going to be right down the middle. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. You hire me by accident at MSNBC, you got to get out of you got to get out of that business within a year, right? You got to tell him either, "Hey, get back in line. Right. Don't rock the boat or you got to go," right? Now they offered me a big contract for a weekend gig, which I turned down, which they were probably shocked by, uh, just so I can tell this story. But you don't want to rock the boat if it's your boat. Mm. So with that, like, talk to me a bit about as you've grown the Young Turks and given that the rest of media is in this sort of corporate structure frame, right? How did, the, how did you then go about thinking and growing the business in a way that would not eventually put you in that place? And you're still an independent company, so you've yep. largely succeeded in that. But still along the way, there's like a million decisions that other independent companies can make and still feel that pressure that you're – you're pushing back against, right? Like they could still have corporate advertisers and all these different things. So talk to me a bit about that. Like how have you managed to stay independent and also not be, you know, worried about whether XYZ pharmaceutical entertainment company, whatever it might be, is going to advertise with you next week? Yeah. 
Great question. And so this is the question of our lives. Uh, so uh, one thing I did was we started a, a paid subscriber model because if you don't have a subscription model, uh, then you're at the mercy of advertisers. And that is not a pretty place to be. Yeah. Uh, number one, if you have our politics, uh, it's not a good place to be. Uh, if you have any politics, it's not a good place to be. Uh, but also, if you care about doing good quality independent program, it's not a great place to be. I've been in a lot of pitch meetings that started with, uh, what will Walmart think? Well, I can nearly guarantee you the end product of that is going to be a bland, vanilla, uninteresting show. Because Walmart doesn't want to offend anyone. So they're just like, put out, put out pulp. Okay? And... And we'll back that. But if you do anything interesting, oh, it's going to raise an eyebrow. No, no, no. We can't have that at all. So we had to go to paid subscribers. When then. did you do that? The what? paid subscription? It, we actually started a million years ago. It yeah. might have even been 05 just as we were launching. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was actually before we launched video. Right. Uh, so um, I, I sensed early on this is not going to work well with advertisers. Now, the, ironically, advertisers are now coming back around to us because they realized – Oops, um, all younger people are progressive. 80% of uh, under 35-year-olds are progressive. So hence the Colin Kaepernick decision. That was not made by the ethicists at Nike. That was made by the accountants at right, Nike. of course. And uh, accountants crunched the numbers, and they're like, yeah, turns out there's a lot more people buying sneakers who are under 35. And guys, got news for you. That old paradigm of, oh, I got to be right in the middle of Ted Cruz and, and Elizabeth Warren is... Total nonsense. No, you don't. If you are unsure whether gay people should have rights or not, the same rights as uh, straight people in this country, you're not neutral. You're a monster. Okay? And so if you're older and you hate gay people, sit in your cave and hate them and, you know, tick-tock, tick-tock, your days are almost over. Uh, if you're a giant corporation and you decide you're going to be neutral on that issue, you're going to kill your business. If you can't tell if you shouldn't shoot unarmed black people, you're not neutral. You're a monster, and you're going to kill your business because young people are going to hate you. And so when I used to say that 10 years ago, they're like, oh, you're the craziest person in the world. Yeah. That's never going to happen. Everybody's – you got to be, you know, appeal to Republicans and, you know, hey, black people and gay people are kind of questionable. You never know. <laughs> and they don't say it like that, but that's – definitely the intent of what they're doing and and the result of what they're doing they'll say it in terms of like hey the cops gotta have leeway you know they should have listened to the cops and you don't want to offend people who like cops no it should have never choked eric garner they should have never killed him they shouldn't have killed all those black people that they shot and killed etc and again i'm telling you that you could say i don't like you fine you don't like 80 percent of your millennial and gen z customers mm. so you make the call uh, we're right. We won. We won the culture wars. And if you don't like it, sad day for you. So now advertise, advertisers by their nature are the most conservative people on the planet. Not politically, just DNA. Like, yeah. I don't want to get fired. Yeah. I mean, there's a million variations of the, no one ever got fired for advertising with yeah. MTV. CB, I mean, you can add whatever. Uh, I, I almost want to, yeah, I almost want to run an advertising agency so I could fire those people. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever got fired for playing it safe. Not if so, I ran one. <laughs> so how did you do? How did you do subscription? So you started subscriptions really early on, yep. and you know nowadays, oh, they have subscriptions. Like you know, everybody has subscriptions. But you know, back in two thousand five and two thousand six and two thousand seven, I could go on on for many years here. Uh, people just thought they could make lots and lots of money by running banner ads or whatever. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty different thing to do. How did that work with YouTube and all these different platforms that were emerging at the time? 
it, it's even harder than that because there's no infrastructure, right. right? And we have no money. So we have no engineers. We have to just tell people, hey, give us your, back then it was 10 bucks, now it's just five bucks a month. We still have 10, 25, 50, et cetera, 100 if you love the show. Right. But give us your 10 bucks a month and we'll get you the show. We'll get you the show. Okay. And we did by hook or by crook. We'd get them a video version of the show and an audio version of the show. Uh, but it was exceedingly difficult. The audience didn't mind. They they liked it and they get it. They understand the, the concept. And now we have an engineering team. They've built some wonderful apps. Our website's great. So it's a much smoother process now. Mm-hmm. So we can onboard people and serve so them you, better. Are you still 100% subscription-based now? All rep, like nine, no, most, no, I no. Wish. Okay. I wish. I wish I... I'd do that in a second if I could. Yeah. No, we still have uh, programmatic advertising. Okay. So that's just from YouTube, sure. Facebook, and now the live linear because right. we're 24-7 channel on Roku, Zumo, Pluto, YouTube TV, and some other ones are going to get announced real soon. But you're not like really out there beholden to a specific advertiser that's that you're selling and worried about because it's it's just programmatic based on people's interests and, and whatever. Yep. Yeah. If it's programmatic, it, it, we don't have anything to do with it. Right. And so... They're just trying to reach that audience, bless their hearts. Yeah. So on, on actually big sponsors, we do have a couple, uh, and but we flipped the frame. We went to advertisers and said, if you're in fossil fuels, we're not going to do ads for you. If you're in private prisons, guns, uh, but also um, for-profit colleges, uh, no. Uh, you have to convince us uh, that you're worthy of reaching our audience. We're not going to do it other way around. We have almost no sales team. And so- uh, it's brazen, but it's it's beginning to work. So Aspiration is a financial institution that's deeply progressive. So they don't put the, your money in fossil fuel companies or guns, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a win-win. So, you know, Aspiration is a sponsor because our audience gains from it. Hopefully, we'll have many other companies like Aspiration, people who care about the environment. I mean, we, again, if you're neutral to the planet melting, that's not a brand safe position, hmm. but if you care and you want to help fix uh, the climate, then you got to come to us. Our audience is 50 million strong and super charged up about that. We got to fix it and we got to fix it now. I mean, that's, it's really hard though, right? Because I mean, on some level you're going to be like, are they progressive? You know, there's a lot of like value judgment there over, yeah. you know, and so there's a lot of like, you know, it's and I'm I, sure, yeah. That's but, that's but think about it. Yeah. Think think about it, Dmd. In the past, advertisers judge us twenty four seven, and there's no one minds, right? That's just life. They come, ah, is your show good enough? Is your, uh, you know, oh, your news? I don't like news. Oh, you know, what are your politics? Uh, they judge us uh, as a matter of living, right? No, now I judge you. Okay, you want to reach uh, our uh, viewers, like. You know, this is a little on the nose, but uh, Hillary Clinton uh, chose not to advertise us, with us during the general election. Now, why? She was bitter because we were against her in the primaries because we have a perspective. We don't hide it. Mainstream media has a perspective. Establishment is awesome. Status quo is awesome. Uh, conservative economics is awesome. But they hide it. They pretend that they're neutral or objective. It's not true, right? We're honest about our, pers- our perspective. So in 2016, we supported Bernie Sanders in the primary. So, of course, Hillary, Hillary's not going to advertise us with us during the primaries. And we know that's a financial hit for us, especially because we cover news and politics. I'm happy to take that hit because we're real, okay? 
Would you have t- would you have had her as an advertiser? In the general, to? yeah, because you the, would have said you would have said basically like we think she'll be better than than Trump. That's yeah, your, that would be your perspective. Yeah, in the primary, hell no. Right. In the general, absolutely. Right, because I told people to vote for Hillary anyway. Right. I mean, Trump's yeah monster on top of monster. Yeah. So that was a no brainer for us. But Hillary's team was like, no, we're bitter. Uh, you should have uh, backed us in the primaries. We're going to punish you. I'm like, you don't get it. I'm not running for president. Right. I, I never, I don't put advertising into my budgets. So it's all gravy to me. Yeah. So I'm going to be just fine. Okay. You, on the other hand, not gonna be, yeah. need to win Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. And so it was a mistake she literally cannot recover from. And, and would she have won if she advertised on the Young Turks? Very likely, yes. Wow. It's a big statement. Of course. I got 50 million progressives, a lot of whom didn't make up their minds, a lot of them whom were thinking of voting for uh, a third-party candidate, a lot of them who sat at home because they were told on TV every day, Hillary already won. Hillary yeah. already won. And so they weren't sure whether they were going to vote or not. If you push hard on that audience, can you get 78,000 people? Actually, all you needed was to flip 39,000 votes in those three yeah. states. Yeah. Could you have gotten that out of our 50 million? Of course you could have. It was a lethal mistake. So if advertisers now go around going, well, I don't want to be judged by the Young Turks, you know, uh, and so uh, I'm I'm not going to advertise with them. Uh, you know what? I'll show those millennials and Gen Z. I won't reach them at all. <laughs> okay, good luck. On the other side of that, we're seeing a lot of progressives convincing advertisers to leave other shows, right? So yeah. we've seen, I mean, we've seen a lot of this with like Fox News, big Fox News scandals. Tucker Carlson says something, you know, one of the three times that week he says something completely reprehensible and all of a sudden, you know, all these advertisers pull out. Do you think that that's like, does that, does that work? Is it beneficial? Cause on some, on the other hand, it sort of seems like maybe this is like, just like a really easy win for some of these brands to come out and be like, we're not for Tucker Carlson, but where does, where does like the rest, where does the money, do they just advertise on some other Fox program anyway? Yeah. You know, do you like, what do you think about that? So I, I don't participate in that and I'm, super honest with the audience as always and say, look, I got a dog in the fight. I think that if you go around killing off all the talk shows, they're going to kill us off too. And then you're going to have no exchange of ideas. Mm. None. Mm. Okay. So, okay. Tucker says uh, loathsome some things. That's what I'm here for. So I go out the next night and kick his ass. And I tell people, well, he's a white supremacist who says outrageous things like the immigrants will not replace us. That's literally Nazi propaganda. Yeah. Okay. That's called an exchange of ideas. He says one thing, I say another thing. If you do advertiser boycotts and you take both of us off the air, okay, then you got no conversation. All you have is this the crushing, grinding victory of the establishment, and that doesn't help any person. It certainly doesn't help the average American. So I never participated in those boycotts. In fact, I said Megyn Kelly shouldn't have been fired. Don Imus shouldn't have been fired. Uh, I've said that over and over again. Because if instead of firing Megyn Kelly, NBC had a one-hour conversation with her and Al Roker and a couple other of their hosts who were upset about what she said about blackface and explained to the American audience why blackface is so insensitive and offensive, they never tell you why. They just say it's unacceptable and fire everyone in their path. There's actually an excellent reason why it's offensive because it was used as a trope in the old days to poison people's minds that African-Americans were outrageous and violent and raped white women. It was comes from Birth of a Nation, which was the first major motion picture, et cetera. That's an education that you can give the audience. Instead, you shut down the conversation by firing Megyn Kelly. So I, I've, I've always been against that. But, but 
to your other question, honestly, it does work. Mm. Um, and so they got Glenn Beck off of uh, Fox News because of that. It partly it got Bill O'Reilly off of Fox News because of that. And Tucker Carlson's hurt. He's he's lost 19 advertisers. So he got a quiet suspension the other day when he went over the top again for like the 88th time in a row. And um, and so Fox is, I guess they're thinking about it. Hmm. And they're thinking about, you know, maybe taking Tucker or Laura Ingram off because they keep saying one outrageous racist thing after another. Uh, but then I, I don't know who they're going to have left because their audience likes racists. Their audience likes white supremacists. So... Yeah. That's a tough problem to have. It's hard to understand. But they still have their cable fees. So that's why they're in business. If they had to rely just on advertisers, right. Fox News would not exist. Right. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And, and it, it's also, it, this sort of like ties into something we've been looking at a lot here at the Webbies, which is this like sort of pervasive culture of fighting on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Whether it's like people fighting about like really silly things like chicken sandwiches or whether they wash or don't wash their legs to, you know, really important things about like the values that they want to stand up for and what they want the country to be like. There's just a constant, constant march of like fighting. Yeah. How do you and you guys engage in this? And I don't mean to say that you're fighting for the sake of fighting, but you are arguing with people. You're getting in discussions, you're disagreeing. Sometimes it rises to what you might call a fight. How do you, as you said, you're like the largest online news show, Mm -hmm. right? How do you get the news out? How do you like get a message out? How do you talk to people in a way they really are going to hear it and change what they think when all it is is like, I'm on this team and I'm on this team and we're going to fight about it? Yeah. Number one, what we do is we give the facts first, then we give context, then we give our perspective. If you fudge the facts at all, you're going to be out of business real quick. Because uh, I say this about the politicians, the internet's going to catch you. The internet catches everything. And so you're going to get caught. If we did not give people the actual facts for now, you know, 14 years running online, um, they would have caught us. And from time to time, we'll make a mistake and the audience will catch it. And I love that. They're kind of our editors at large. I remember in 2008, Obama-McCain campaign, we ran a video of McCain that was edited wrong. We had taken it from a local Phoenix station, and they edited it in a way that was unfair to John McCain. A couple guys in our audience had watched it live, emailed us, and said, hey, guys, that was deceptive. That's not right. 
We figured out, hey, who edited it, et cetera. We came back the next day and said, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. You were right. Here's the longer video. And, and McCain didn't say anything wrong. Okay. So that's great when that critique is, is genuine, et cetera. Mm. Unfortunately, the well got poisoned uh, because now there's things that go bump in the night on the internet. And people forget that the internet was a wonderful place where people formed communities. They were helpful. They found one another. They formed relationships. They got married, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that still exists. But the dark side of the internet has grown so vociferous that you almost forget about the light side. And the light side is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so now the problem was that the Democrats are, in my lifetime, have always surrendered. They've always been the ones that whispered. They're always the civil ones, the polite ones, the humble ones, et cetera. I'm sick of it. And the audience is sick of it. Uh, you got Trump on the other side. For God's sake, will someone take a swing already? Right? I'm tired of Nancy Pelosi, you know, quietly mumbling in the corner. Chuck Schumer hiding in a cave somewhere. You know, all these establishment guys, they ran an establishment candidate, Hillary Clinton, against him. And that uh, Michelle Obama said it. And, you know, she's very popular and she's very smart and wonderful and all those things. But she's wrong when she says when they go high, when they go low, we go high. No, when they go low, kneecap them. Because if you don't have an even fight in politics, the other side will win. And that's what's been happening for the last 40 years. So the left needed fighters. So in a different time, I might not have been a fighter. Hmm. But in this time, our side needed fighters. Yeah. So not only did I fight, but I brought more fighters to the game. So our MCN, our multi-channel network on YouTube, has Secular Talk with Kyle Kalinske, a huge fighter, The Humanist Report, Majority Report, etc. Now these are all bare-knuckle fighters for the left because you need that army. Hmm. Then when I formed Justice Democrats, I was one of the co-founders of that. That's the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, one of our candidates was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. No one thought she could win. What'd she do? Bare-knuckle fight against an establishment, powerful Democrat. She took him down. Another one is Ilhan Omar. Another one is Rashida Tlaib. Boom, we've unleashed strong progressives into Congress. We're going to win in 2020. It's going to be Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. Write it down in stone. We're going to win. And when we do, holy cow, we now have the White House. This is a counterbalance that this country desperately needed. Hmm. Because when you have Mitch McConnell and Dick Cheney and George Bush and Donald Trump and no one fights against them, the country loses. So that's why we, you needed the fight. But I have had dozens of people come up to me in the streets and say, you flipped me. I used to be a right winger. I used to be evangelical. I used to be conservative. I had a woman here in New York say, I used to be racist. And you flipped me. Uh, that's because they watch us. Sometimes it'll be hate watching in the beginning. And then they'll be like, damn it, that was a good point. right? Wait, I didn't expect that. Well, okay, they're right about that. And so, because we give them the facts and we always tell them, you can look it up. We're not making anything up here, okay? Uh, it's a surefire way to, to disaster on the internet if you make things up. So I know right wing, they just, they're all fly-by-night operations. So they make things up and then they make up a new website and a new thing on Facebook, et cetera. No, we got to make this thing sustainable. So we fight for our side, but we never compromise reality. But it seems like in this environment today, and maybe it's just like a fact function of who the president is, maybe we'll see when he no longer is at some point, whether it is or not. But 
you know, it you guys are you're you're advocating for promoting correct information, making sure that's true, then bringing in your opinion. Um, but you know, you see uh, all over the place, you just see like lies, right? And the media cycle is enough of a thing that the lies, no matter what they get, you know, they get, they get some traction and sometimes it's just about how outrageous they are. Right. And we've just seen this like complete atomization of the media cycle to the point where like the only thing that's really left from like 10 years ago is the fact that people dump news on Friday nights. Other than that, right. It's like, you know, I don't know how many you would know better than me. I don't know how many there are in a day, but it used to be two, and now there's three hundred and fifteen or something. Um, there's just some skill at manipulating this media cycle to get incorrect information out that like we haven't seemed to figure out the internet hasn't seemed to figure out how to push back against. Yeah, it's gonna be a process. Look, evolution is messy. Remember, the internet's not that old. It's yeah. only been around what twenty years, right? A little over twenty years. Um, and since we're the longest surviving video show, that's only 14 years of online video. Um, that's when YouTube starts. So that's a fine starting date, right? 14 years of online video, that's nothing. So in the beginning, we're having these birth pangs in a sense, right? And this sorting out of things. And so, and what is the internet? It's a mirror back to us of our, of ourselves. And guess what? Humanity is a wonderful side and humanity is a dark side. And both of those things are being reflected back to us. And we got to sort that out. So the answer isn't, hey, put the gatekeepers back in charge mm. and crush all the right wing and all the left wing and go back to corporate rule. No, that is a terrible answer. And besides which, you couldn't put that genie back in the bottle even if you wanted sure. to. The answer is, no, have it be a mess, battle it out, and have one side win. And luckily, we're almost there. We've already won the culture wars. That's why all the young are on our side. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to convince young people? No, the guy in the, with the beard in the sky doesn't like gay people. <laughs> so you should be against your friends. You should make irrational decisions. They should have less rights than everyone else, even though that's so weirdly un-American and unconstitutional because the dude in the sky doesn't like them. Really? You're never going to win that argument. So we crush you because we're right and you're wrong. So I don't see, I don't mind saying things like that. Like, so there'll be some 68 year old who's super mad. No, the Bible says this. You didn't even read the Bible. And say so you're a hateful person. The Bible also says you shouldn't eat shrimp. How come you never go protesting in front of Red Lobster? <laughs> right? Because you didn't read the Bible. You just took the hateful parts. Anyway, we won the culture wars. Yeah. Uh, and so we're about to win the presidency. And... Yeah, once we win, there'll be a reconciliation hmm. because we're not like them. Right. We're not actually bad guys. We we fight so that we could help the average American, et cetera. But like the Civil War, in this case, there's kind of an ideological Civil War online. After we win, we're going to reach out because we don't actually want to crush the right wing. We actually want to get them higher wages. We want to get them health care. We want to actually help their families. We want to protect their retirement. So after we win, they think that we're going to do what they did. Oh, good. We're in power. Let's go you know, beat up the other guys. When we turn around and actually help them, they're going to be so confused. <laughs> and then eventually, my hope, and I, it's a real hope, and I, and I could see the trajectory of this, that not all of them, 25% of the country will never be on your side. 25% of, of any country will be fundamentalist, religious zealots who will be right wing. Every country, Turkey, where I'm from, same thing. 
right wing, won't listen to any logic. Allah told me this and I'm done with it. I, they've turned off their brain. We don't worry about them. We worry about the other 10 to 15% that's kind of on the right wing that when they see we actually came to help them, there's an excellent chance that we win a majority of those people, not all of them, but a majority of them. And they go, oh, they weren't here to hurt us after all. Rush Limbaugh was lying. Fox News was lying. They actually did come to help. Talk to me a bit about this upcoming election and the internet. So if like 2016 was, you know, the election of Russian trolls and bots and disinformation campaigns and all this sort of like really malicious stuff, that's always been there in politics. Let's be honest. I mean, oh, absolutely. here in New York, for, I mean, it's terrible, terrible things done since, you know, the 17th century in politics or whatever. But uh, at a scale and in a way and in a place that people didn't hadn't really imagined or fathomed this, this past election, what do you think 2020 is going to look like? So I don't want people to think that I, I'm saying this because I'm a progressive and I'm biased. So I'll give context because of that. In 2016, I was positive that Trump was going to win the Republican nomination. Uh, I made a bet on air like four or six months before the voting. must have been four months before the voting. I said he's got it locked up because uh, I can read a poll. And everybody's like, yeah, but it can't be Donald Trump. Or 58% of Republican voters aren't lying. Right? Right, right. No, it's going to be Donald Trump. They like Donald Trump. You don't like Donald Trump, but they do. And in the, in the general election, um, I went on ABC's This Week and said, yeah, I think Trump's going to win. And because people hate regular politicians. They like populists, someone who's an outsider, disruptor, et cetera. So now given what I hope is some credibility in that regard, because I can't stand Donald Trump, but still thought he was going to win. Um, this time, progressives are going to win, and they're going to win fairly easily. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be that contentious. The stuff that, ha don't get me wrong, the right side will be vitriolic and horrible, right. et cetera. But that fake news stuff online helps only around the edges. Mm. And so in that in the last election, it's decided by 78,000 votes in three states. That's why the, the fake news mattered. That's why the Russian interference mattered. That's why the weather mattered. That's why it mattered that Hillary didn't advertise on progressive shows, right, uh, et cetera. That's why all this, if it's not around the edges, you can fake news all day long. Uh, and, and they also have us. They also, and by us, I don't mean just Young Turks. I mean the entirety of the internet. A good example is Cory Booker. He's a good guy, but he's used to the old system. Right? He's a fairly establishment Democrat, senator from New Jersey, decides that he's going to vote against reimporting drugs into the country from Canada because he has a lot of donors. Right, it's from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. drug companies in New Jersey. It's like his flaw and his strength, right? Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> exactly. It's politics 101. Yeah. We all grew up with it. But no, no, no. It turns out it's a new day in America, and the internet caught him. And they're like, hey, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. It's drugs from Canada. They're just as safe as they are from America. Oh, wait a minute. He's got donors. They're, oh my God, they're drug company donors. That's why he did it. And then he bailed. He's like, oh, I, I, I didn't mean it. I'm going to work with Bernie Sanders, <laughs> right? Et cetera. So there's going to be a lot of that in this cycle. Mm. So it or, it's already happened. So if you watch television, they tell you Amy Klobuchar is a fantastic candidate. Even before all this stuff got warmed up, like six months ago, if you turn on Morning Joe, all they talked about was Amy Klobuchar. I'm like, what? you guys talking about <laughs> right nobody's ever heard of klobuchar nobody's ever gonna hear of klobuchar klobuchar is a normal moderate democrat who says we can't do that we can't do this literally in one of her town halls said she said look under your chair 
You know what I'm going to give you? Nothing. Wow. <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> and so I'm like, that's not going to win. That's not an appealing political message. Yeah. So the establishment media is much more powerful than fake news or the Russians or any other interference. And they have a group think that is nearly unbreakable. Progressives are the worst. Bernie Sanders should be criticized at every turn. But corporate Democrats are awesome. <laughs> okay. So Klobuchar is awesome. Booker is awesome, et cetera. Joe Biden is awesome. But even they will be overpowered by the actual demand of the people. Hmm. And, and look at this. I mean, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are number two and number three. With almost every political analyst, even the ones that are in favor of corporate Democrats, realizing Biden isn't going to last. Once he slips to number two, he's a goner. He might as well be number 20. Okay. There's no scenario where he drops down to two and three and then bounces back up. No, there's no bouncing. Okay. There's only falling. Yeah. So when Biden falls, there's going to be, watch, you'll see it with your own eyes. In about anywhere between one to three months from now, you will feel a palpable panic come out of Washington when they realize, oh my God, oh, I think Warren or Sanders are going to win and they're going to be president of the United States. They'll have heart attacks all across the, the city <laughs> because they're built on corruption. And so when those two take corruption away, they won't know what to do. So even the biggest propaganda machine of all, the establishment media, they will push for Biden. When Biden falls, mark my words, they'll push for Kamala Harris. They'll say, well, you know, Sanders, we already know is a monster and a boogeyman. And boo, he's going to give you health care. <laughs> oh, don't scare me too much. Boo, he's going to give you higher wages. Oh, no, stop killing me. Um, and then they'll do it to Elizabeth Warren too, but it'll be too late. Yeah, Kamala Harris doesn't have enough name recognition. She doesn't have enough popularity. Her ideas are not bold enough. And next thing you know, we're going to win. So I... I I'm actually not nearly as worried about this election as I was about 2016. Last question. Two years from now, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, one of them's the, the winner, the president. People are going to be criticizing you for holding them to account and criticizing how they're not doing as good a job as they could be. Oh, I is thought it going to be all. Gonna... Is it going to be all over again? It's going to be. Yeah. You're going to be the. They're going to. They're going to be right <laughs> back at you for not supporting Barack Obama. Now it's going to be not supporting. Yeah. So, look, uh, I thought you were going to go in a different direction uh, and say two years from now they're president. And are we – then is everybody looking at the Young Turks and going, okay, oh, no, they're, yeah, they're too tight with these. Oh, it's like, oh, they're the Sean Hannity. Or, or either way. Yeah, or, right. Or, or, uh, yeah. And, and if it went in that direction, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, look, I, I think that – we are in a unique position. The audience chose us. That means something. And so when I say progressives are going to think something, that I'm not making that up. Uh, it's based on overwhelming experience, right? And so I hope that the a progressive president listens to progressive media. Uh, and, and so far, they've been wonderful. They've been on the show many times. Uh, they're very responsive uh, to the base. And that's why they're winning. Whereas the rest of the politicians insult their own base on the Democratic side. Well, got news for you. They're going to insult you right back. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you're not going to get any of their votes. But if, I, but if it turns out Sanders and Warren don't live up to what they said. Like, for example, they both signed the Young Turks 
progressive economic pledge. And so did Bill de Blasio. And so did AOC and uh, Tlaib and Omar, et cetera, et cetera. So all, all the top progressives in the country signed it. And it's got Green New Deal, Medicare for All, higher wages, ending corruption, and free college. If they don't do that, will we be all over them? God, you bet your bottom dollar that we're going to be all over them. We will march on the White House. If, if you thought Obama not doing progressive ideas was bad, if Warren or Sanders don't do them, that would be a betrayal hmm. unmatched by anything of, in my lifetime. And it would not stand. I mean, it, it would be the most disheartening thing that ever happened. But I, I would be literally shocked. I think they're the real deal. I think they're both the real deal. I think they mean it, and I think they're going to do it. Cenk Uger, big year for the Young Turks. I'm excited to see what you guys do in this. This is like a this is like a big year for you guys. I'm really excited. It's a big year for the whole country. Thanks for joining us on the Webby Podcast. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Jank for joining me in the studio. And tune in to The Young Turks on TYT.com and the TYT app for iOS and Android. If you like the Webby podcast and want to support it, please take a couple of seconds to give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you really like it and want to go the extra mile, leave us a review. For more information on the Webby Awards, visit WebbyAwards.com. That's W-E-B-B-Y Awards.com. Or on most social platforms at The Webby Awards. As always, you can reach me on social at DMD Likes. Our producer is Terrence Brosnan. Our editorial lead is Jordana Jarrett. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Grades can read your mind even if you recite the alphabet to yourself. I'm your host, David Michelle Davies, and this is The Webby Podcast. 